0: This is Ashley Kelsch, and you are listening to Inner Momologue episode number three. Listening to Inner Momologue, a podcast for women who want to learn how to rethink being single, dating, making money, parenting, and sex—all the things in a world that tells you you're doing it wrong. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. In mother words, it's not you; it's a deeply conditioned brain. Hey, 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 mother lovers! Happy weekend! First of all, I am not on my mic. At home in my little recording space rather I'm in Taos at my friends my besties house Laurel in a room so you will hear cars in the background you might hear her dog Sam you might hear I don't know all kinds of background stuff that I'm not able to control and I hope that doesn't prevent you from listening all the way through or well actually this is so apropos I hope it doesn't prevent you from quitting <laughs> Quietly quitting, because that's what I'm talking about today. I've been hearing so much about this buzzword, quiet quitting. Now, it's not a new term, but it did go viral recently on a TikTok, as things do on TikTok. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the term, I did go to Wiki to give you the definition. Quiet quitting is an application of the work to rule in which employees work within defined work hours and engage solely in activities within those hours. Despite the name, the philosophy of quiet quitting is not necessarily connected to quitting a job outright, but rather doing precisely what the job requires. Quiet quitting is turning your computer off at five and no longer responding to anything work-related. That's an example. It's basically where one begins to disengage. It's an attitude of living that my life isn't my work vibe it's work-life balance, if you will. Depending on the school of thought, some call it healthy boundaries. Others call it lazy. Mainly used to describe uh, mainly used to describe behavior in the workplace, I couldn't help but think about quiet quitting when I was writing my most recent dating column when questioning our society's collective beliefs that relationships are hard and that love is complicated. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Marie Farella's book that everything is figureoutable. The question I had was, is it figure outable? Is everything? And should it be? Spending time trying to figure out a relationship that perhaps has completed itself, but due to generations of conditioning teaching us to never give up or keep giving it our all, otherwise we're failures or quitters. And then we just keep spinning our wheels trying to solve for a problem that is possibly just not figureoutable. Where quiet quitting is the opposite of that. And something that, if we examine closely, has become synonymous with dating and relationships. It's remaining in a relationship you're no longer happy in, but not willing to work on or leave. Of course, you may not be aware that's even happening. Sometimes it's meeting and having coffee with someone and then never following up, leaving the other person to feel like it never happened. And then there's the ghosting, the most haunting of the different forms one can experience from quiet quitting. When we are quietly quitting, we're not active in taking control of our lives. It's a passive behavior. Rather than going into our boss and saying, I want to raise for the work I'm doing, which would bring up a host of emotions that would be required to feel just to make that ask. You think instead, fuck it. I just won't work as hard. Now, when dating, rather than calling the person and saying, I'm not interested in dating you for these reasons you quietly remove yourself from the equation you stop texting as frequently you don't make plans and then you just stop this is why quiet quitting is getting such a bad rap labeling those who are practicing it as lazy however to judge it purely as lazy is lazy itself the reasons why people shut down but show up or straight up abandon ship are motivated by reasons deeper than the person doing it may even realize, reasons that people looking in from the outside most definitely could not say. I'm not suggesting we wanna abdicate responsibility for our actions or those of others, but we need to examine what our beliefs around relationships are, where they came from, what lessons we learned and were taught about them, and quitting. Whether consciously or subconsciously, everything a human does or doesn't do is to feel or not feel a certain way. Now remember, our feelings are caused by our thoughts and our beliefs. Have you ever looked up what a belief is? A belief is a thought that you've chosen to think repetitively. This is the most fascinating part, though, a belief requires zero introspection. In other words, you have thoughts and beliefs that you may not even actually subscribe to believe or would choose to believe today if you took time to re-examine them. You have thousands of them that you're not aware of that cause you pain, but because you believe it's the right thing to do or you were always told to be this way, you hold yourself to the fire unaware that these thoughts and beliefs are actually optional. The lessons we have been taught growing up and the messaging around quitting versus figuring all the things out are buried so deep in your subconscious, you might not even be aware they're driving your decisions to stay or go. We are taught that if we make a commitment, we are to honor it. But to what end? We are taught that we have to finish what we've started, but at that sacrifice of what? Is it possible that quiet quitting is an action we take to avoid being labeled and shamed by society as a quitter? A failure? Is it a result of not knowing how to communicate and self-advocate? Or is it a result of just being a dick? Who could possibly say but the person actively engaged in it? Like all things, quiet quitting and what motivates it is a multifaceted experience. And this is going to vary person to person, depending on the very messages they grew up with, combined with their lens in which they filter their experience and life circumstances. Only you will know what the answer is. But regardless if we are talking about your job or romantic relationships, It's not a coincidence that quitting, be it quiet or loudly, is the go-to solution. Humans are designed to quit, to fail ahead of time. Have you ever noticed when you quit something, there's a sense of relief that you experience? Shameless confession. If I decide to not go for a run, my entire body and brain are like, oh, yes. When we quit anything, our brain releases chemicals and hormones, there's a surge of dopamine, and the reward you get from the immediate, I'm not going to do that hard thing, is visceral. Now, the more we do it, the more we inform ourselves, the brain, the neural pathways, that quitting feels oh so good. We don't have to figure this thing out. Your brain does not want to do hard things or figure anything out that it doesn't already know. It's designed and wired to seek pleasure, avoid discomfort and be efficient. This is called the motivational triad. It's what kept us alive. Leaving the cave was a life death experience. And now our brain sort of translates the leaving a relationship or job, though it's not literally life or death, the brain experiences those painful emotions that are associated it that are similar to death. And the brain wants to avoid feeling discomfort at all costs. But this is why it's imperative that we move from our primitive thinking into our modern brain, that prefrontal cortex. We want to inform our brain. I'm not risking my life right now. I'm going to tell someone I don't want to meet them for a date. That way we can manage our emotional experience rather than being caught in that primitive fear state, not taking any action. If we don't intervene, our brains will keep us, quote-unquote, safe in the cave. It will have you believing it feels better to avoid the conversation and quietly quit instead. To experience the emotions that come with having the conversation sounds very uncomfortable, and frankly, they are. So you trade off the feelings of having the hard conversation for the ones that come with being miserable. The feelings you get when you ghost, maybe you feel guilt or... The feelings of complacency by staying in a relationship or job that is unsatisfying feel normal and safe, compared to the other ones. The brain is used to this life and has become efficient at what it knows. Anything else would bring up discomfort. I remember watching The Wizard of Oz as a child, and I was just amazed. That one moment, everything was black and white. Dark, scary, and then suddenly, technicolor, lit the screen, casting a brightness on this dangerous feeling and though the scenes that followed some of them were super terrifying like those mf monkeys you just like couldn't look away and the movie was worth feeling scared at least for me (laughs) i have came across a quote recently it was from the wizard to the cowardly lion and i thought this is so apropos for what i'm talking about as for you my friend you're a victim of disorganized thinking You're under the unfortunate delusion that simply because you run away from danger, you have no courage. You're confusing courage with wisdom. Of all the emotions, I have to believe that courage is probably one of the most misunderstood and perhaps confused because we're taught that courage is like motivation. It will feel good to do this if we can only muster the courage. But if you think about courage and when you've had to channel it, it was to face a moment head on that was bringing up great discomfort getting on stage and publicly speaking, for example. For a lot of people, the idea of that brings up fear of disapproval, rejection, failure, and it requires courage for you to feel all of that negative discomfort and perform. When you are unhappy in a relationship, courage is required for you to self-advocate, be willing to risk losing someone else to save yourself, perhaps crush someone's idea of marriage with your proposition of divorce. You are going to feel an egregious amount of discomfort and it's going to take courage to see you to and through those moments. It's in that space that we inform our brain and create a new neural pathway. It's where we evolve. You know, there's this there's a saying: discomfort is the currency to our dreams. And I love that because that is what is required. The more you experience failing, having difficult conversations, advocating for yourself, the more capable you become to experience those emotions. You learn to ride those waves. This helps you build your confidence because your brain has a reference to being here before. The feelings start to feel less foreign. It's not necessarily more comfortable, but we know we can survive them. We learn to do the hard thing while feeling the uncomfortable emotions. You don't have to change your job, your boss, your spouse. You can accept things for the way they are, what they are, that you can't change those people. Or the circumstances. The most courageous thing you can do is to change you, your role in it, your thoughts about it. When you start to examine your thinking and the beliefs you carry about your situation, you can see what's coming up for you, causing you to want to quietly quit. You can ask yourself, what's stopping me from using my voice and making a change? What's preventing me from going after the life, a life that I want that is big and full of promise and possibility? A life that I want to figure out and not quietly quit on. What do I fear is going to happen? And have you actually ever considered going there in your mind, like category worst case scenario, what is the likelihood that that will actually happen? And let's just say it did, how would you repair and recover? And what does that, like, what does that look like in your past? What's the best thing that could happen if you didn't quietly quit, but instead went to town on the quote unquote problem in front of you. What might your life look like? I personally can attest to being a product of my Malu and the lessons I was taught about being a woman, married and commitment. I felt like I had no choice, no out, but only to figure it out. A death before divorce mentality, or I would go to hell. I was terrified to be punished by God. I feared what people around me would think. The courage I needed to channel to live my life for me and what I wanted, to live my truth, not what I had been told by everyone else, and to go against the grain. A counterculture way, so to speak, took everything I had at the time. But when I started to see that these beliefs and the life I was living were for everyone else, and they were holding me back from my happiness, and that a lot of that was all in my head, all those thoughts and sentences that those weren't facts, I began to realize, I was the only one holding me back. Those weren't my beliefs. I learned to self-advocate, use my voice and stand up for myself and the life I wanted. Once I got used to using this muscle, I noticed that my family and my relatives stopped inserting their opinions into my decisions and in my life. Using this muscle when dating has had to become a learned skill as well. Communicating if I'm interested in someone or not, not just going along with what they want or don't want waiting for them to choose me. Treating people as I would want to be treated, meaning if I'm not interested in pursuing it further, rather than quietly quitting and removing myself from the situation, I voice it. It's uncomfortable. It's a 15-minute conversation, sometimes an hour, that feels, well, not good. But I feel like I'm in my integrity. And then I don't feel this guilt or dread whenever they text me. It's not this lingering thing in the background of my life. I just wrap it up. I think we get so caught up in not wanting to hurt someone else's feelings that we lose sight of our own. We're willing to feel terrible at the cost of making sure someone else feels fine. The truth is, we don't even know if it's going to hurt their feelings. We don't know if our boss has someone else they would love to replace us with, or someone else who would love to take over this job, or if this other person's dating other people and also wanted to have that conversation. We have no idea. I want to offer that we stop underestimating people's abilities to experience emotions and let go of assuming we even know what those are going to be to begin with. Say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it in a mean way. In other words, speak your truth. It's going to come out eventually. So you might as well start there and stop wasting your time and others by quietly quitting. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss another episode, you can subscribe to my newsletter in mother words on Substack. You will also receive a weekly written column from me. You can find the link in your show notes, or you can follow me on any of your favorite listening platforms like Apple or Spotify. And if you haven't already leave your feedback, I would love to know what you're thinking so that I can improve for you. Leave me a message, put up a review and feel free to spread the mother loving word.